Welcome into episode 70 of the Landscape Photography Show, and on this episode, we're talking with Carrie Giordano. I discovered Carrie through her sports photography, but quickly discovered her landscape and travel photography as well, and immediately extended an invite to come on to the podcast. And I was really interested to talk to Carrie about the speed differences among the photography genres that she shoots in. Because I've dabbled in those too, and I had a lot of questions on how she does it at a professional level, among other topics like education types in the photography industry. The Landscape Photography Show is a podcast where you can listen to your favorite photographers talk about their journey in photography. It's a place where you can be inspired and also learn how to take better photos. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey, what's up, guys? We're here with Carrie Giordano, and Carrie's joining us from LA. Carrie, we were just talking before I started recording about the weather in LA, and I'm extremely jealous about how the weather is, and it must be nice you being the photographer for the Dodgers and also somebody who just likes to be in the outdoors and take photos while you travel. I mean, LA must be like the place to live for you. You know what, David? It really is. I uh, grew up in Cleveland, Ohio, so I have been around bad weather quite a bit, but you know, you don't really get sick of uh, nice 70 degree days all year. Um, now, when the wildfires come, yeah, that's not as fun, but no, it's great. I, I love Southern California. What's the average weather in the winter? The winter, I would say on average where I'm at is probably about hmm, 70. I mean, it will get down to, you know, maybe the 40s at night, even, you know, last week I went out shooting and at like 430 in the morning, I think it was 39. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's freezing. Uh, but not much colder than that. Well, let's jump into how you actually got started in photography. You know, when did you first pick it up and how did you get to where you are right now? Sure. Um, well, first, I want to say thank you so much for having me on. I love the podcast, so it's great to be here. Um, I started doing photography as a kid, really. Uh, my mom was an amateur photographer. She had a dark room in our house, and I used to go in there and watch the images develop with her. And one of my first memories of really loving photography was she had an Ansel Adams book, um, an all black and white book on Yosemite Valley. And I loved looking at that. And I feel like I would just spend afternoons flipping through the pages, looking at the photos. And as a kid, I always seemed to have a little camera on me, you know, a little film camera. I think they were 110 cameras. Um, and then throughout high school, still, I loved taking pictures of friends. I spent um, a summer abroad as an exchange student in France. And at that time, I remember the family teasing me that I always had a camera on me and I was always taking pictures. And I would say that that trip in general kind of started my love for landscape photography and traveling. And I was doing probably more cityscapes and nothing, nothing that was good, you know, just snapping photos, but I loved it so much. And then when I was in high school, towards the end of my time, I went to a local college and started taking photography classes there in the darkroom. And I just fell in love with it. I loved shooting black and white film. And then shortly after that, I moved to California and got a job shooting kids sports. So I would shoot 
all weekend long, um, might be several hours away. I would drive up on Saturday morning, shoot all day action sports, drive back to LA, drop the film off at a lab, and then Sunday morning, drive back and sell the images. So I did that for a couple of years. And to be honest, I really got so burned out. It was so much driving and I just, it kind of stopped me doing photography for a little bit because I just was burned out on it. I didn't want to do it anymore. And I put the camera down for a while. And then I would say I picked it up a couple years later and I was just missing it. I was traveling through Europe, um, backpacking and taking photos. And the girl that I was with had a more of a real camera, a film camera. And I had this little dinky digital camera that was one of the newer ones that you know, took terrible photos. And I was like, wow, I wish I had a film camera with me. I was so jealous of it. So then when I got back, I decided, you know what, I'm gonna go back to school for photography. And that's what led me to Santa Monica College. Um, and I studied there for a couple of years and that definitely was, you know, helpful. I would say that I've probably learned just as much outside of school that I did in school, but it was good for me just to have that focus. And at the time I was doing darkroom classes and thought that I was going to go down the route of getting a large format camera and just shooting the landscape. But then I kept having this nagging urge to go back to sports and to shoot more sports. So I took a uh, portfolio class and I decided, you know what, my focus for this class is going to be on sports. So I started shooting all of the sports at the college and I loved it. Um, so I would say that's kind of what got me back into it. Um, I also at the time was working at the Dodger Stadium, at just doing food service, nothing with photography. And so I got the opportunity to meet the photo staff there and particularly John Suhu, who's the head photographer for the Dodgers. Um, he's been shooting baseball for 35 years, uh, you know, one of the best out there. And I became friends with him and was always nagging him, you know, how do I get into sports? Will you look at my portfolio, this and that? And he was like, oh, you should just start shooting headshots. You know, that's where the money is. And I was like, oh, I don't want to do that. Um, so then he's like, okay, you know, if you're serious about shooting sports, you need to go to this sports shooter workshop. So I went and you know, it was so amazing for me, but I feel like I was so amateur that I actually ended up going to the workshop twice. Um, and it was so amazing. I met so many people and it really set me down that path of shooting professional sports. So from there, I started shooting uh, for a stock agency and I would get to go to the games and shoot. And, it, you know, it was a great experience. There's really not a lot of money in it, but it's... Um, really gets you, you know, your skills up and get you fast at your editing. So that was great for me. And then I would do little PR gigs here and there for the Dodgers when John needed me. But really, there was no opening on his staff up until two years ago. Uh, one of his other photographers was leaving and I was like, I want this job. Like I wanted it so bad. I just felt like it was right for me. And so I've been shooting for them for the past two years and I love it. It's just been an amazing experience. Obviously I want to touch on so many things you just talked about. Cause as you were talking, I was like frantically writing down notes <laughs> um, on like what I could ask you. Um, 
because it's really insightful, I think, for anyone, any genre of photography. First, though, what kind of photography did your mom enjoy? Uh, My mom did a lot of portraiture. She, when I was little, thought that she was going to open a portrait studio. But I think her love as well is also the landscape photography. I mean, we go out traveling together locally and we love to take pictures together. So I I think it's very similar to mine. Do you still pull inspiration from her? Um, I pull inspiration, I think, in that she has this kind of love for traveling and, you know, seeing the world and documenting that. She has sort of a real joy to her when she's in those moments. So I try to take that with me as well. Are you similar in in personality, would you say? <laughs> I uh, No, I don't think so. I think it's pretty different. I think I'm a little bit more like my dad, but I, there's definitely ways as I've grown up that I'm like, oh, wow, I am like my mom. So certainly in the photography and our love for travel, we definitely have that in common. What, what about that Ansel book do you think inspired you? Because I have similar memories about like going to a bookstore and like I would, I would skip out on, on other responsibilities and go to a bookstore and read up or, or look at photo books that he had produced or some of my other favorite photographers did too. You know, I think it was a couple things. One, and I don't know why this stands out to me because I was so young, but I remember the drama in the light coming through the clouds. And I really specifically remember that, seeing that black and white contrast of the light. Uh, So definitely I was drawn to that. And I think also I was drawn to the landscape in that it was so different from what I grew up in in Ohio. And in general, I feel like I was always drawn to the California landscape. And Yosemite is so different, of course, than Southern California. But with the mountains, uh, it was just amazing to me. I just couldn't get enough of it. Have you always lived in California? No, I, I grew up in Cleveland, oh, right. Ohio. Cleveland. Mm-hmm. And then I, right after high school, I moved to LA. Okay. Okay. For those of photographers who don't know much about sports photography, uh, I know you talked about like your drive and, and how long you drove and, and how quick you had to turn things around. I think landscape photographers are unaware of how different sports photography is. So what's the difference in sports photography? Well, I would say that there are a lot of differences, but certainly the speed of it is the biggest one. So for example, when I go out to shoot, um, it's such a quick turnaround. Now with social media, they want the photos instantly. So for example, if someone hits a home run, they want those images basically as soon as they're in the dugout. They want them immediately so that they can post those. Or if I'm shooting, I'll still shoot for some stock agencies. When I'm shooting those, I have to be shooting the game and editing at the same time. And there's behind the scenes, the captioning of the image is so important. There's so much metadata that has to go into it and has to be accurate because if that picture does get picked up by, you know, one of the media outlets and it has the wrong captioning on it, that's a huge problem for them. So I would say that's probably the biggest, the speed of it. And just that, you know, in landscape, you, you know, 
you have time to set up your shot and it's nice if it's on a tripod. I mean, you're working with the light, so you want to be quick as well, but it's so different that, um, you just are taking your time and enjoying it. And it feels so much more of like an organic process where with sports, you are often put in a spot. You don't know where you're going to be, but you go to that location and you can't move from it the whole event. And sometimes there's flexibility on that, but a lot of times, you know, you're just shooting from one spot the whole time and you have to make the most of it. And if the light is bad there or the background is bad, then you just have to think of creative ways to work with it. Has it made you a better travel and landscape photographer? Um, I think it has because I think it has made me for sure faster. Say for example, I'm out and there's some sort of wildlife. I can pretty quickly get to that. So it's definitely helped with that. And I would say also, it's probably helped me to examine the edges of my frame a little bit more because, you know, in sports, and I am probably not the best at this, but you want your photo to be what you want it to be in the end as much as possible. Like in landscape, you know, you could crop it or edit it, but in sports, say I'm working with an editor and they're going to get all those images. Well, they may not crop it for me. They may just leave it how it is. And I may look at it later and be like, oh, I didn't like that, how that was. So if I can get it, the image as close in camera as I want it to look in the long run, I'm better off for that. I'm, I'm taken back to when I first started. Um, I did a season of shooting for the University of Tennessee football team and their home games. And... I was so used to landscape photography. A lot of the things you said like brought up stress for me because I remember <laughs> being on the sideline and being used to landscapes. Like you said, you had time to set up a tripod, um, get the light right. Well, uh -huh. shooting something like this, you know, you shoot one play and then I was so used to reviewing what I got that I would look at the back of my camera. And before I knew it, you know, somebody was running out of bounds about to collide with me or something like that. And then whoever I was shooting for, whatever newspaper or magazine, they wanted, they already had the end story written during the game based on what was going on in the score. So they wanted those images, like you said, immediately. And, and just the speed of it was, I found it very difficult, but I also found it, it exhilarating. Mm -hmm. Do you, you get know, that adrenaline rush? So yes, definitely. So there is that excitement, especially, you know, the past couple of years, the Dodgers have been so good, you know, winning the World Series that it has been so fun, you know, and so exciting to shoot the team. But at the same time, it's loaded with anxiety because you need to get the shot. You need to know what's going on in the game. And if you're ever shooting, you know, when I shoot for the Dodgers, I have an editor. So all of my images go straight to them. But when I'm shooting for one of the stock agencies, I'm my own editor. And there is no way to get every single play and edit the photos and send them off during the game. So you're going to miss something and you're just hoping that it's not the biggest play. So it's really a balance of, you know, shooting, editing and doing everything as fast as you possibly can. And, and it does become really stressful for sure. 
as a Red Sox fan, I, I just want to say you're welcome <laughs> for trading you Mookie Betts, who was like the missing piece to the Dodgers yes. and, and win the world, won the World Series. Yes, thank you for that. But you know, we just gave you Kike, so you know that's a a good trade. You know, he brings a good spirit to the team for sure. So we're giving back a little. Did you play sports? I did. Yeah, I played sports um, growing up and I probably played softball the most, but uh, which is nice because I know the game. That's one thing with shooting sports. You really need to know the game you're shooting. Uh, but it, I think I, I always had a love for sports growing up. What's your headspace like when you think about sports photography? Um, I was looking at your website and your portfolio. You had a lot of multiple exposure frames that were blended together, creative angles. How do you find the time to master those creative angles and and creative shots during such a hectic headspace event? Well, any um, multiple exposures that I'm doing in sports is all in the camera. Mm -hmm. So um, that makes that a lot easier because I don't have to come back and process that. And then I think knowing your gear really well is so important in any kind of photography, but especially in sports, because you don't have time to fumble through and figure out where something's at. So for example, I have a shortcut menu in my camera that has multiple exposure in it. So if I want to shoot that, you know, I, I have that ready to go. Also with the long exposures, I've programmed my camera. So I have a little button on the front that I can just press in and I have it dialed into whatever the exposure is going to be that day to do a long exposure. So I tend to get to the stadiums really early, get all set up, have everything dialed in. And then it's also finding the moments that I think I'm not going to miss something important so that I can take those creative shots. Because even though to me, the creative shots are cool, that might not be what anyone I'm working for wants. So let's say, you know, it's the beginning of the game. I, I can't do that because I, if the pitcher, for example, gets hurt and gets taken out of the game, I'll have to make sure that I already got shots of him and they need to be more than the creative shots. So I have to kind of wait until there's a little bit of a lull where I think I'm not going to miss too much. And then I take those, but I think knowing your gear is probably the most important part of that. What's your fondest memory of like a story that you have that accompanies one of those anticipated shots? Um, with the anticipated shots? Hmm. I would say probably my favorite thing with the anticipated shots was, um, you know, there's been some walk-off home runs, which, or hits for us to win the game, which if anyone doesn't know, that's, you know, when you're tied or down and then all of a sudden in the last inning, a player hits, uh, the ball and we score and win the game. Um, so those are probably the most exciting, but they're really nerve wracking in a way for the photographer, because you don't, you know, something big's coming, some sort of big celebration, but you don't know what. And you are thinking to yourself, like, do I have the right lens on? Uh, Is my exposure set right? Am I ready to go? And you're just hoping that it all comes together right. And then for myself, working for the team, I'm able to run onto the field before the other photographers are. So, 
you know, I'll be running on the field. So I think the most exciting one for me was, um, was Kike Hernandez when they did the Gatorade on him, they threw the whole thing of Gatorade. And I was waiting for this to happen because I really wanted to um, try to freeze the Gatorade in the air. Um, so luckily I did get the shot and then they kind of got him with baby powder after. So it was just a fun moment, but it was something that I think, you know, I had to anticipate to figure out, you know, which camera I usually have two camera bodies on me, but which one I want to bring, what lens, what I want my settings to be. Um, so I think that's probably my fondest memory of, you know, anticipating it. Hey guys, I just want to pause real quick and talk about today's sponsor for the podcast, and that's visualwilderness.com. Right now, you can go to visualwilderness.com and get 33% off for a limited time all of my post-processing courses on visualwilderness.com. You can do things like panoramas, realistic HDR, a whole Lightroom overview of how you can implement a very strategic workflow to complement your personal style and photography every single time. I'm actually going to run the exact same sale on my personal website where you can get many more photography courses that are going to help you do the same things. Level up your photography. You can go to either visualwilderness.com or davidjohnstonart.com and use the code david33 during checkout for a limited time for 33% off. Let's get back to the episode. When you think about your time studying photography when you went back to college, what comes to mind as some of the necessary things that you learned to help you achieve to what you've done? Um, I think most importantly was um, learning the importance of networking. And I don't think when I was in school, I was good at this. But I think that it was something that the teachers talked to us a lot about and, you know, told us how important it was. And I think without a doubt, you know, I wouldn't have my job at the Dodgers if it weren't for that. And so many other jobs right out of school, I started shooting um, scientific photography for Boeing. So I was shooting all spacecraft. And again, that was, you know, through networking and the school, I got that job. Um, so I would say that was probably the most important because a lot of the things that I learned at the time, I was learning lighting on large format cameras, but you know, we're not really using large format or doing film. The whole idea of lighting is the same, but it, you know, I think so many things have changed in the past 10 years since I was in school that I would have to say probably just having a good work ethic and networking with peers. I think, I think that was probably the most important thing. Okay. What is scientific photography? <laughs> so scientific photography is I was shooting parts of spacecraft and every single part that Boeing makes a spacecraft with has to be photographed. So I would be using large format digital back cameras to shoot every single part. And then I would also shoot that spacecraft themselves. And sometimes it would be PR shots of engineers. 
but it was really a tedious job. And it was a good job in a way. I mean, it was, you know, a very steady photography job, but sometimes honestly, it didn't even feel like I was doing photography. And I will say that photography podcasts got me through that job because I could listen to a podcast every day while I was working. (laughs) That's like binge worthy time that you're doing. (laughs) Oh, it was for sure. (laughs) When you think about your time in college, I know you said you probably learned just as much as you did in college than you did outside of that for, for photographers who are looking to get better or develop or just learn more about the history of photography and why they connect to it, would you still recommend younger photographers to go back to school or major in something like photography? Um, I think probably the benefit of being in school for a younger photographer would be learning to work on a deadline and you know, taking in all the various different angles of photography from, you know, portraiture to learning the history to, uh, you know, maybe a little bit of journalism. So I I think that would be important, definitely. But I don't think there's anything that they're really going to learn in school that they couldn't learn on YouTube or through tutorials, um, that if they were really self-motivated, I don't think they would need to go to school to tell you the truth. But if it's someone that, you know, needs a little bit of encouragement or just does better in a social setting, I I think it is still right for some people. And to be honest, I was lucky that the teachers I had at Santa Monica College were really great. And most of them were working in the field or had had experience working in the field. But the I would say the art schools that are incredibly expensive you know, I don't know about that. I really don't know that that's worth it unless maybe you're a kid right out of college that doesn't have the motivation and just needs that formal setting. Yeah. If I could throw my two cents in here, Carrie, on that. Mm -hmm. Um, I agree like with what you're saying and in that you could probably go on YouTube and of course learn, you know, the exposure triangle, Uh, all about how the camera works, different compositions, things like that. I, though, I think in school, what you learn is from your peers in photography. I think you learn how to respect other photographers and their style. And I also think you learn from mentor mentorship, because if, if I think back into like high school, I'd didn't do photography or anything. It didn't carry it over through college. But when I was doing film in high school, I can remember my teacher in film and also a a video course that I did. My teacher said, you know, this, you should really consider pursuing this. You, You may be cut out for this. You may be very good at it. Now I was of course interested in other things being in college and just wanting that classic college experience. And, um, I think that the, the unique relationship between peers and mentorships, um, is unrivaled and a lot of people are missing out on that right now when they don't go to college just because of the cost. Yeah, I could, I do agree with everything you said there, because that, that is where I think, you know, the teachers that I had, some of them were so good. They just had such an influence on me that that I couldn't replace through 
YouTube or learning online. Um, I think also if you are know what type of photography you want to do and you're open to doing workshops on that specific genre, like for me, I did the sports workshop and I was so grateful that I did because, you know, it was invaluable to me. Um, so I would say if you know that, but also if you know you like photography, but you don't know what route you want to go with it, it could be good to go to school as well. Um, I kind of assisted a wedding photographer and realized, oh, no, I never want to do this. Or, you know, I, I tried a lot of different genres before kind of coming to where I, I knew I wanted to be. When you took that long break away from photography, what do you think you learned from it that, that helped you the second time around? Hmm. I would say I, I learned, one, how much I loved it and that I need a creative outlet in my life, without a doubt, um, that that's something really important to me that um, just for stress and my own personal headspace, to be in a positive place, I, I need a creative outlet. It, it's so important to me. Um, so I definitely learned that. However, I will also say that I learned that sometimes when you are making your living off of something you love, if it's not just the right fit, that it can kind of pull your passion away from that thing. And that was important for me to learn because I did love photography and it was my passion and I wanted it in my life, but I got so burned out doing a job in it that wasn't completely the right fit for me that it totally burned out my passion. So today, you know, I'm able to take that in my life and I see with things like social media, for example, um, you know, if I find myself getting too stressed about having to post an image or anxiety around, oh, I need to, you know, get images out there. I kind of have to pull back a little and get back to why I love photography and say, hey, you know, that really isn't that important if I post the image. Um, so for me, that that was kind of a eye opening. How would you relate? We've, we've talked about headspace and you just mentioned that word during that answer, how would you relate your headspace from the hectic world of sports over to the slow craft that is travel and landscape? I'd say, well, it is really different. I'm definitely on when I'm shooting sports and when I'm shooting the landscape, I'm out in nature. I would say I'm definitely calmer. There, there are similarities between the two of them. Um, because luckily baseball, when I'm shooting baseball, I'm outside. So I have that sense of being outdoors, which does bring a calm for me, but also I really try to have a gratitude for shooting, whether I'm doing landscape or sports, because when I'm doing the sports, I know how lucky I am to be there working for the team and working under someone like John and all of the amazing photographers around me. So to me, I know that's a huge blessing in my life and I want to have an appreciation for it. And then when I'm out in the landscape, it's very similar, you know, having two kids at home. I know that if I'm out there shooting, someone's watching my kids for me. And I am so grateful that 
I have that opportunity to be out there exploring and just enjoying nature. Now where the headspace is completely different is that during a game, I have to be 100% zoned in to where we're at in the game. What's the play? Are there any milestones coming? Who do I need to shoot? Whereas when I'm in the landscape, I love to just get lost in it. You know, I feel like when I'm kind of in a groove, hours could go by and I don't even realize it because I'm just out shooting and loving it and having so much fun in nature. So I would say they're very different, but I try to take that same appreciation into my photography when I'm shooting either. Would you say you have to have that juxtaposition of speed versus slow in your creative outlet of photography? You know, I wouldn't think so, but maybe I do because I definitely have it. However, you know, I have noticed that say I'm out shooting the landscape, the things I'm drawn to the most to shoot are freezing the action. I love shooting long exposures where I'm freezing the movement in the clouds or the water. Um, So I guess in a way, I'm always looking for that action in the landscape as well. And then in the sports, yeah, I I am shooting long exposures sometimes too, freezing the action. So maybe that is my style. Maybe that's mixing the speed with the slow. Do your other sports peers and who are photographers also gravitate to landscapes too? Um, Some of them, but I don't think as much so. I think more of them are shooting sports a lot more than I am. Year round, they're shooting, you know, they might be five days a week shooting sports. Whereas for me, that's, um, that's too much. Like I need that sort of outdoor landscape outlet as well. Um, so, I, but I definitely find that a lot of them are interested in it. Or even the other day I went out shooting and I ran into someone I know from shooting games and he was there with his tripod. So I think that most photographers have some sort of love of landscape photography in some way of their own. Are there community differences in one versus the other? And the reason I ask that is because in my experience of sports photography, it felt very isolating for me because I was, I did it for one year. So I wasn't like in their little click that they had Mm -hmm. underneath the stadium when we were editing and going through our, our photos or even on the field. Um, I feel like the landscape photography community is very quick to, you know, grab you and pull you into their circle. Hmm. Well, I don't know if I would say that because with the sports photography, I feel like you do get these groups of friends that all will go out to eat after. There is definitely at times like some sense of competition because you want the spot. Everyone's trying to get the shots. Um, But I would say overall that in sports photography, I personally have found people to be a little bit more friendly in a way where it's like they all want to talk and chat and get together afterwards. Whereas in landscape photography, to me, I guess I haven't met that many people doing landscape photography. I mean, I guess I will meet people when I'm out and they always seem very nice and pleasant, but I don't have that many people that I will say go out shooting with. 
So mm. I would like to see more of that in landscape, I guess maybe because I'm doing the sports as well. Maybe I just haven't experienced it. Maybe it's because the Dodgers have a winning culture and Tennessee football has a losing culture, <laughs> currently at least. Well, maybe, yeah. Who knows? Everyone's a little bit happier when they're winning. That could definitely be. Who knows? But Where you know do- what? I'm, I'm really a Cleveland Browns fan, so don't feel too bad because I'm used to you know that losing you know, season record. Well, that's a lifetime of, of suffering and misery, really. <laughs> It sure is. You know, every year we say, oh, this is going to be our year. I mean, I th- yesterday I thought, man, it should have been the Browns in the Super Bowl. This was our year. But one of these days. You, you know what it is, is the Haslam connection, the Haslam ownership of the Browns. And they're also major boosters of Tennessee. So, you know, <laughs> that's why that's that. why both are or it's always this is our yes. year and it never happens. Oh, never happens. It, it's coming. It's got right i mean what are the odds i don't know pretty good so far (laughs) let's hope so well i'll start rooting for tennessee that way we're both in it together there you go that's it where around la are, are you really going to shoot a lot or do you find yourself having the ability to go out and travel in between some of your sports photography jobs yeah well I would say just in the past years when I started feeling comfortable to leave my kids home for a couple of days for, and this is very rare, but say I'll go for a day or two um, to go shoot somewhere. Like this past year, I went up to the Eastern Sierra in California, which was just gorgeous for the fall colors. Or this coming month, I'm going to go up to Yosemite, which I have been dreaming of going to in the winter Literally, I can tell you since I was a kid and haven't done it. So I'm so excited. Um, So I've been able to kind of work in a couple of these little trips the past year, which has been amazing. And then other than that, I'll go. There's a lot of places within just a few hours. For example, last year I went down to Joshua Tree and that's three hours away. Um, You know, the Alabama Hills, about three hours, you know, just along the California coastline, there's so much to shoot that's within an hour. So, you know, I try to get out. If I could get out once a week to shoot, that would be amazing. But that doesn't always happen. Uh, But say last week, you know, when we had the full moon, I got out to shoot three times that week just doing landscapes, which was incredible for me. I mean, that's pretty rare for that to happen. I find it difficult for myself just to balance landscape photography, one genre of photography and family time. You're, you're kind of dabbling in two and also balancing family as well. What are some of the challenges in that? Um, you know, I think probably one of the challenges is that sometimes I wonder if I were all in on one thing would I have much greater improvements. You know, I I know if I were shooting sports several times a week, I would become much better at it than I am. And the same with the landscape. Um, But I think that to me, this is kind of a balance that makes me really happy. So sometimes even though I think I could do things differently to get ahead further or faster, I have to look at what is really making me happy. And if this is working for me right now, then I'm just going to go with it. Um, So I think kind of 
that pulling back sort of that pride over where you could be or what you could be doing and just doing what's best for you. Um, I think that that's part of it. Um, and I would say the other part that you kind of have to overcome and maybe as a new father, you'll experience this or have already is that there is a little sense of guilt when I'm out mm. shooting sometimes, say I take, you know, when I go up to Yosemite this month, there is going to be a little sense of guilt that I'm not there with my family. And, you know, I'm not, you know, exploring this and sharing this moment with them. Um, so I think that's something that can be really tricky for parents to overcome. But I always try to go back to, okay, I know that being here, this is good for me and that I'm going to be a much happier parent when I'm at home and more hands-on because I had this experience. So I guess that's the only way I can look at that. I, I felt that exact same way, honestly. And one of the things that I've been doing during counseling is going through the steps of thinking like, okay, I'm going to be here now and fully here now and fully invested so I can be fully invested there later. Um, and I think that that has helped me a lot and, and paid huge dividends and being present in both spaces. Yeah, I think that's that's great, because certainly um, if I were out shooting and just like wallowing in a guilt about it, I can't imagine it would be good for me or for my images and the same for the time with my children. You know, it's easy as a parent to be doing something with your child and not be totally present. So, and they, they sense that they can really feel that. So, I, I mean, I think that's great advice. I think that's something that we could all work on, you know, whether we have kids or not. In terms of, of your personal photography and where you see it going, like kind of give us a two years out view of, of where you would like to see yourself. All right. Two years out. Well, I definitely would love to keep shooting for the team because I love that. Um, and I would like to start working in some adventure sports, things more like skating, like skateboarding and surfing and maybe some winter sports. I would love to do that. Um, but I would say I do want to do more with my landscape photography in the sense of, you know, doing photography in general brings me so much joy and happiness. And I want to find a way to give back. And I know that's probably, you know, a cliche thing to say, but I really feel like I haven't discovered yet how I can give back through photography. And it's sort of the missing piece for me. And I don't know if teaching would be that. Maybe I would love to start doing workshops, travel workshops with someone else. Um, so maybe that could be it. But I don't know. I think there's something greater there that I haven't pinpointed. Um, but every year at the beginning of the year, I do make my goals for the year. And so I had a couple just for this year, not two years, but one was to learn drone photography. Mm -hmm. So I did get a drone and I'm starting that. That's been really fun. Um, and then the next one was that even though I shoot people in my job all the time, I very rarely put together shoots outside of work with models or other people. And it's something I'm really intimidated by. And I don't know why, because every time I've done it, I enjoy it. But I'm so intimidated to, you know, get a model or an athlete and 
shoot them outside of work. So I told myself that this year I was going to put together two personal projects where I had to shoot people. And I know that doesn't sound like a lot, but really fitting that in the schedule, it does kind of feel like it's a lot. So I, I think for this year, that's the goal. And more long term, you know, I would love to start doing maybe, I don't know, in the far off doing gallery shows, teaching a little bit, maybe doing some travel workshops. You know, I've always thought it would be an incredible honor to be like a Nikon ambassador. So if I could do some work with them, that would be really cool. That's great. So, Sorry, hopefully that's not too all over the place. No, that's awesome. I mean, spreading yourself out pretty wide, but you know, I think having those different abilities definitely comes in handy in, in sports and landscapes. I I do want to wrap up with this and, and it's kind of like a question that I've been thinking about the entire time we've been talking and probably because it's heavy on my mind as all photographers right now is, is the pandemic going on. How, how has it affected you? Because I know a lot of landscape photographers are very familiar with how it's affected, you know, our workshops and, and how we went, me make money in, in terms of, of your genres of photography that you work in, you know, how has that affected you? Well, I would say that it's had, you know, positive effects and negative effects and, the negative effects have been, of course, we can't travel. Um, many trips that I had had planned for the past year to shoot were canceled. Um, so that certainly for any landscape photographer, that's negative. Um, and also shooting the sports, um, I'm shooting a lot less sports because it's a little bit harder to get credentials to shoot. A lot of events have been canceled and there's just so much uncertainty of knowing like when or where the games are going to be. Um, our in shooting sports, our ability to roam the stadium and go where we want and shoot from where we want, that has been completely limited. So that's certainly been negative. Um, but in a positive sense, I will say that right before the pandemic, I was just going and going so much that I felt so burned out and having to just make life stop for me was a good thing because I saw that I was going too much and I needed to slow down and just take some time with my family and still work on my photography. And really I have a huge library of images that are unedited that I've always wanted to have the time to go through. And I would have thought in a year of quarantine, I would be able to get through them all, but you know, there's still just so much in life that is going on that you just never have enough time to do everything, but it's been nice to be able to go through those. And also I had a thought, um, about a month ago. And I was like, you know, I want to go travel to all these places and shoot all these places. And I'm so inspired when I'm traveling. And I think it's that way for a lot of photographers. However, what about what's here in LA? What if tomorrow I had to leave LA and I couldn't ever come back? Or even if I could, I think I would have so much regret over not photographing so many areas that are right in my backyard. 
And so I've been trying to make an effort just to get out and to shoot more of my local places. And it's been hard sometimes because for a while, you know, LA was completely closed down. You weren't even allowed to go on half of the hiking trails. Uh, or you felt kind of funny if you were going out with your tripod shooting, like, oh, am I going to get in trouble? Was, am I not supposed to be doing this? Um, so I, I think I'm trying to look at a positive side of it and see like, okay, you know, I can make something of this time. And I definitely have a greater appreciation when I am out getting to travel at all or take photos because you kind of see when it's taken away from you, how much you love it. She's Carrie Giordano. Carrie, I just want to thank you for coming on. Why don't you give us a sense of where we can go to find more out about you? Yeah, I would say Instagram. Um, I'm at Carrie G Photo or my website, CarrieGiordano.com. Um, yeah, I'd love to hear from anyone. And David, thank you so much for having me on. Um, it's great to, you know, get to talk to you sort of in person, but get to meet you a little bit more. And, you know, I've really enjoyed the podcast. So I appreciate you having me on.